Our meditation for this third Sunday in the season of Lent is on our Gospel reading. Hear the word of our Lord from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 11th chapter, beginning in the 14th verse. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the Gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This season of Lent we are focusing on the reasons Christ died on the cross for us. Today I'd like to point out from our reading that he did this to liberate us from the devil. But that liberation is not the end of the matter. Yes, he died for our sins. Yes, he died to conquer death and our own sinful proclivities. He also died to free us. You see, humanity is a twisted and corrupted version of everything that it was supposed to be. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, and ever since then we have had to grapple with an indwelling sin or original sin that drives us to seek out wicked thoughts, words, and deeds. So long as a man is unregenerate, he is hopelessly evil, no matter how good he appears to his friends. Lutherans know this. And we know that even a baptized believer has to wrestle with his sinful nature and confess his misdeeds as the Holy Spirit gradually improves his character through the process of sanctification. Our condition, even when we are saved, is quite the hard one at times, isn't it? But this is not the end of our terrible condition, is it? When the fall of man happened in Eden, humanity was reduced in status and freedom to the point of being a slave. And every slave has a master. 
in the case of unregenerate sinners, each one has at least three masters. Yes, being a sinner, he is a slave to his own flesh or his sin. I don't care how good you think your atheist neighbor is, he is a slave to his sin. And being a single human being, he is a slave to the world, to collective humanity which seeks to be God. But worse than these two, he is also a slave to the devil. The devil is called the lowercase g God of this world, from 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. He's called that for a reason. He is the established ruler of the earth ever since the fall, John 12 verse 31. There is not a single non-believer who is not in some way, shape, or form a worshiper and slave of the devil, and not a single one of them will rebel against the devil on his own. Even if some people think they can, Satan is capable of blinding their minds and making them forget that they were ever going to question him. Beloved, he is the Pied Piper leading countless souls to hell, and non-believers cannot lift a finger to change that. Never, ever, ever forget that the devil is real and he hates you because you do not belong to him. And even if you did, he would still hate you, but since you belong to Christ, he hates you more. Again, no human being has a choice in this matter. From Luther, quote, Thus the human will is placed between the two like a beast of burden. If God rides it, it wills and goes where God wills. As the psalm says, I am become a beast before thee, and I am always with thee. If Satan rides it, it wills and goes where Satan wills, nor can it choose to run to either of the two riders to seek him out. But the riders themselves contend for the possession and control of it. If the devil were in control of your life, you would have absolutely no choice but to be the blind, dumb donkey the devil rides, free only to do wickedness until our Lord, disgusted by the persistent wickedness of your heart, permits your death and sends you to hell for eternal suffering. This is the state of almost all humanity. With today's reading, we have a peek into the kabuki theater that is the devil's games. When perfidious men slandered Christ and claimed that he was casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons, Ironically, they did so on behalf of Satan. Sure, they probably didn't like Satan very much, but they were under his sway. The devil wanted to get rid of Jesus, and an accusation of witchcraft would certainly do the trick if Christ had not responded the way he did. After all, Exodus 22 verse 18 says, Suffer not a witch to live. It's an assassination plot, really. Get enough people to think Jesus is some sort of witch, and eventually either he's going to have been stoned to death, or 
he will have been imprisoned by the Romans until he rotted away in jail. That's the plot, and that's what the devil wished for them to do and try to pull off. I am certain that Christ's response shook these men to their core and frightened the devil even more. He first points out the absurdity of their claim. The devil would not truly oppose his own. Demons want to possess people, and they utilize that ability for their power over mankind. So the devil performing exorcisms would be a stupid move. Besides, since some of the Jews were exorcists who cast demons out in the name of God, well, then suddenly all of their successes are cast in doubt as well. But the logical argument here against this slander is not what silences these men. It is the next thing he says which puts them to shame and in all likelihood frightened the devil all the more. Our Lord says, If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Since Christ did not cast out evil spirits by the power of the devil, that narrows things down, and the kingdom is truly upon them in this moment. Think of the context. If the kingdom of God is coming while these exorcisms are occurring, then the kingdom of God is forcing the kingdom of the devil to retreat. When the kingdom of God shows up, the demons are cast out. This is our Lord telling us that he is here for spiritual war, and he is going to win it. This explains the rest of his speech. Christ tells the crowd of a strong man, fully armed, certainly someone with his ramparts manned and his sword sharpened can fight, leading to safety for his home, but that safety is easily taken away the moment a more powerful man arrives, someone with a better army or better weapons or more skill in fighting. Strong men fall to stronger men. And in this case, Jesus is telling us that he is the stronger man. The devil may have his illegitimate rule over the world, but it is temporary. He might have human beings enthralled by his minions, but Christ can easily cast them out. When he speaks about a stronger man overcoming another and taking away his possessions, Think of this as the moment when it is declared, there is a new sheriff in town. Beloved, Christ came for this reason, to declare war on the kingdom of the devil, and to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Satan may have power over the vast bulk of humanity, but from the beginning everyone belonged to God. Our Lord came down from heaven to retake that which belongs to him, which we lost in Eden. He looked upon our wretched state, seized the power of the demons, and says, Enough! No more of this! I shall save this one! I shall die for all of these! I shall rise again for their sake, so that they do not spend eternity like this! And so he declared war to liberate humanity from this wicked captor.
he will ultimately win. At some point, there will be no more demonic oppression, obsession, or possession. There will come a time when all of the demons and all that belong to them are cast away to suffer in the lake of fire forever. When Christ returns, it will not be a declaration of war, but a declaration of victory. In the meantime, he frees you and I and all believers from the control of the devil. Yet he does not do so for no reason. Instead, he frees us with the expectation that we will join his side. When the word is brought to our ears and sown in our hearts and we are born anew in baptism, we would be absolute fools to say, Well, that was very nice, Jesus. Now I shall go back to my old ways and live life on my own terms, but happier. We cannot do this. We cannot discard Christ as someone who merely did a favor for us that one time. You see, he says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. In Mark 9 verse 40, he says the inverse, the one who is not against us is for us. In other words, you cannot discard Christ or ignore him. You will either be for him or against him. Those who are freed from demonic control and enlightened with the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, our only hope of salvation, they are thus faced with a choice. Do you gather around him and stick close to your deliverer? Or do you go back to your previous ways of living and scatter? Whose side are you on? I certainly hope that you choose to stay with Christ, relying on him, obeying him, and trusting that he will take care of you. If you shall not, he warns you, and I, that to go off and do our own things only invites more and worse demons into our lives. We may enjoy a bit of peace now, but our house, our heart, is empty, unoccupied, ripe for the taking. Beloved, do not put yourself at risk. Now is the time to say, I belong to Jesus. He dwells here. Now is the time to hear the word of God and keep it, as our Savior says, that we may be blessed with the protection that he offers. Now is the time to recognize that you and I are not alone if we gather around Christ, and that if we do, we are under his protection. May we ever do so, to dwell under the arm of the stronger man, Christ, whom the devil shall never defeat. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.